everybody. Welcome to the Rodeo Wagon Podcast, brought to you by Western Edge App and Cosmic Cowboys Productions. We're here with Matt Triplett. Man, actually, nice talking to you again. It's been a minute. Yeah, it, yeah, it's good. Uh, good talking to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Excited about it. I meant to have you uh, at Big Sky. So I had a, I had like a list. Like I was, I was going to do four or five at Big Sky because. Yep much time to do stuff and uh right. played the week before so turns out change of plans <laughs> yeah I, I ended up i ended up not going to big sky either so okay <laughs> well, it worked out then i guess yep, yep i just had to crutch back in um because I, I i parked it at the church because it has really good wi-fi yeah that is a challenge is getting back into the van like on crutches. With a broken leg <laughs> it's it's it high enough like it's getting up so like when i go up if I don't have anybody there helping me, like I got one shot, I got to push myself up and then I get rid of the crutches. I throw them away and then I grab the seat, <laughs> and I pick them up and <laughs> oh. getting out's easy. Getting right. out with bigger vehicles is easy, but getting into them. That's <laughs> and then carrying coffee in here at the same right. time. Right. Yeah. You got to have your coffee on this too. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I don't 100% of all the other bull riders are not going to want to do podcasts in the morning at all. I prefer it. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoy the morning. I function better at 5 in the morning than I do at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's it must be it must be the it must be the age we're at nowadays. No, <laughs> that, that's true. I probably didn't always though. So that that maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's a hundred. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh man, really just uh been with the family and uh just working. Just uh yeah, trying to get things right, I guess, if you may. Um how old your girl now? She just uh just turned two. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's like so when like right when little. you have your when you have a kid it just time just uh just goes super fast yeah it does yeah no joke are you gonna are you guys planning on having more you don't know or uh yeah we don't we don't know at the moment yeah yeah man that's exciting though it changes everything like it does it's like a whole different world responsibility i think that's another thing is having kids then all of a sudden you know when i get up at four o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning it's because i know i have a two-hour window where I can get stuff done before the kids before they wake up, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever that so is, true. I know those two or three hours, like I can, I can get some something done. <laughs> yep. And I'm not. I like to. I still, you know, if I need to, my mom's a babysitter, and she, she, she has twelve grandkids. So, uh, yeah. You know, Wow. Right. Obviously, some of them are in school right now, but so she watches the kids. So sometimes I take them over to her house and she watches that and I can get work done kind of. But outside of that, especially when I'm riding, because we're gone on the weekend. So we're gone two to four days. Yeah. Two or three days a, a week. So being home with them. So a lot of times during the week, I'm actually spending time with them. So, yeah, we, we have it really. We have it really nice. We have it really nice to. Uh... My mother and father-in-law live just right down the road, and they love watching watching Evie. So uh, whenever we need a little help, they they really help us out. Yeah, I think my mom and my mom enjoys it. Um, 
when oh, I yeah. I do watch them throughout the week and it's just me and them, uh, I think that that kind of <laughs> she, I, she, she, we can only do that for a couple of weeks before she's going to want them to come over to the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my daughter. So I guess they reached this age where like she wants to stay the night at Grammy's house all the time. So she would rather live with them, I think, than us. have. <laughs> she finally reached that age. Uh, right. Well, they, you know, grandma and grandpa's usually let them have more snacks uh, before bed and give them, uh, give them, the, give them the reins <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. They give them the reins a little bit more. <laughs> well, she knows like we, we try to do our best to, to, not keep her from technology, but keep her from really just getting, you know, that addiction really at that young age where she's just yeah. watching it all the time. So when she goes over to Grammy's, she knows she can get the phone and she can be, <laughs> she get just gets, her always gets her way on. That's how, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Grandma and grandpa's like to spoil them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there for a minute, because my son, so he's a little bit younger than your daughter. He's one. Mm -hmm. But so he just reached that age where um he you know it's almost like that there's like a i don't know how long it lasts but there's like this perfect little area in a kid's life between one and two and a half before the toddler you know terrors come along or they're just you know it's just perfect they want to snuggle with you you know and all of that and he's kind of at that stage but he's a mama's boy um but now he's turned into a pop-up boy too. So I've lost my freaking son to my dad. And <laughs> so we go over to the house and stuff and he don't want nothing to do with me. He wants Paw <laughs> because he knows Papa will take him to see the horses and, yep. <laughs> and give him the snacks. He'll walk up to me with like a snack and then um, he'll be like halfway there and I'll be like, yeah, I'll open it. And then he'll turn and go to Paw Because I think in his mind, he's like, okay, there's a chance the dad's not going to give this to me. Right, he's going to take no it from me. Do it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a interesting thing. What did you did you plan as far as writing? I know some people, man, I remember what it was. It was I think it was Justin McBride, and this was a long time ago. This was back in like when I first started writing when I was just I was just immersed in watching, you know, all of that. And I think as McBride said, I'm not having kids until I'm done writing bulls because of what I do for a profession and the family life. Did you did you plan that or was it just kind of life and how life, you know, goes? Was it pre Yeah, it was I it, it was just how life went. We, you know, uh Lord willing, we weren't planning on anything. But if if we ended up having a kid, that's that's what it was gonna it was yeah. gonna be. And uh the Lord blessed us with a beautiful little girl and yeah, I mean it that what Justin said there, I mean, I, I agree with it a little bit. It's it does for me anyways, it makes it a little harder to want to leave and go ride. But at the same time, this is this is a dream and a passion and something I love doing. So uh you gotta you gotta just go on with it. And I think it's it's uh it's a good thing for them to grow up and see uh, the work ethic and what it takes to be at that high level so they can almost you know, role model after you. And so I do still like want her to see me ride and see what goes on behind the scenes. That way she can carry it over into her life and be successful as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that, that was one thing that I, I thought about. That was always my initial reaction to, which again, at the, at the 
place where I, probably they're just too extreme. So when I heard that, you know, I'm like, maybe I want to be the opposite. Like, I want my kids to grow up and actually see, you know, the struggles and that will to keep going. Um, right. Definitely. But at the same time, you know, on more of a centric way of looking at it, it doesn't really matter whether it's bull riding or any other part of the life. They're they're going to see that anyway. So, right. so really, really, I think I've gone more to, you know, this the same way. Life's going to go as it goes and and not really making decisions based on that as much. Yeah. I, I could see, you know, getting older, like I'm not I, I'm not gonna ride bulls when I'm forty years old. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> you know, and and that's a that's a different thing. I, I don't foresee being a forty year old bull rider, but there's some out there and freaking they're good. Ed oh Knight, yeah. He, right. He, I don't, I don't came know. out of retirement and still, still retirement. Yeah. So maybe I'll I won't when I'm forty, but when I'm fifty, like Ben, you know, John's I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's wild. Uh yeah, I, I hope I get it all out of my system that way when I'm fifty. It's not a not a want anymore. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that's weird and I so I hadn't heard anybody talk about it. And I think each person's different in like the mindset that that place you go into before you get on. And mm-hmm. I feel like when I perform the best, it's almost it's a weird spot. And it's not the spot that I necessarily like. That's not a spot that I want. Like if my boy decides to ride and that's what he wants to do, then then that's great. And then I'll teach him how to handle that. But it's kind of a dark position in, to me in in that zone that you get in the, the one person that i have heard talk about this recently was nate diaz mm-hmm. and and he was talking in an interview and he's like he's like i absolutely he's like he's like you know i love fighting but i hate the place i go into when i fight <laughs> it's a and it, it's just an interesting thing and uh you know for me that's like one of those places it's really a place of i mean obviously the sport's so dangerous yeah so, like you have to go into a place and I think maybe even more of the, when you have a family, cause you have all of that. You, those are distractions at that point when you're writing. So you Definitely. have to go into a place of complete, you know, commitment and, you know, you, you, there's, you're, there's nothing there. It's, you know, you're cutting the brake line and you have to be all in. And that's oh, a, yeah, 100%. That's an interesting place. I, I, I don't know that a lot of people realize I it's it's high level too. It it doesn't happen as much on low lower level stuff. I feel like when you're getting on really good bulls in re, in really high pressured situations, I feel like it's more. I, maybe it forces you to kind of get that tunnel vision. What? what yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I I think like right. I just like like you said, cutting the brakes, getting into warrior mode and you got to just let go, go of everything and get in the zone. And, uh, you know, some, you can't, you can't let any distraction get in your way. That's, that's the biggest thing is you just got to go straight for it. And little teeny distractions, like maybe thinking about what's going on at home or, or thinking about the kid or just anything, it it can distract your performance. So it's got to be just straight, straightforward and getting into warrior mode and and no turning back no thinking about anything and when you're in that zone you really are just reacting and and letting letting your body take over of what you prepared yourself for all week and you know sometimes that definitely can get hard when when you know 
your kid may be sick and you're on the road and you're thinking about that or, you know, just little things may pop up that get into your mind. But when you're getting ready to strap cattle, you can't be that nothing can be. It's a very selfish game, if you may, but it's very dangerous, like you said. So when you're getting ready to strap you, it's got to be clear minded and no other distractions. And you just got to get in that zone. And it can be scary to be in that, you know, position. You just got to just go with it. And that's that's when you're riding at the top of your level. It's it's no thinking. It's just reacting. Yeah. And I so, so much of it changes as well. You know, obviously, there's going to be times where you're in that flow and so it's more it's, it's much easier to get into that that zone right because that, definitely that feels there it's so much of a you know it's like playing golf if you're playing golf uh for any golfers that are listening but if you're playing golf you get in that rhythm it's easy to you know remake those shots uh, right you know when you're doing that the, the second you get off then it can kind of get difficult I, right it's that meant i think it's that mental aspect because you start overthinking things you start letting your brain you know, tell you this and that. Uh, and when you overthink things or you're, you're thinking about it too much, that's what you did all week to prepare for the situation that might get thrown at you. You can't, you don't have time to think. It's all just fast paced reactions. What and you- our brain is when a guy can control the brain and the mental side of it, that's when I think you're at the top of the peak and you're riding at the best of your level. Uh, but when you let your mind start working and thinking and, it, it makes it harder. It makes it makes our life a lot harder when we let our brain think. <laughs> I think one of the big transitions for me that's kind of helped with that on that point is going from like earlier on in my career, listening to a lot of just motivational speakers and motivational stuff that seemed to be super shallow. Like it's all mm. based on almost emotion, even if the, the, the speaker themselves was not necessarily you know maintaining that it still comes across that way and it's it's transferred that way um instead of getting more into like sports psychology so then i started going from okay instead of listening to motivational speakers i need to start listening i need to start listening and reading some sports psychologists who you know their profession is you know helping professional athletes right yeah succeed under this pressure that helped a lot um yeah definitely that does that does help listening to stuff like that really really helps just if you're going let's just say a guy's going through a slump and he's overthinking but if you really listen to some of that stuff it's got really good advice uh to to help you get out of it it's ah bull riding to me has been you know it yeah you got to work you got to work your butt off you got to work out but but the mental side of it is is i mean that's the hardest part i think dealing with it all one guy uh, said potential minus distractions equals performance. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Like, Definitely. You know, how do how do we minimize all those distractions? Uh, and that's, you know, that's that can be easier said than done. And the crazy part is those distractions are there's billions of them. Oh, yeah. Billions of different distractions from like in the shoot stuff, like the feel of nodding your head, you know, and. Like, what's that spot where you, it feels right where you nod your head? And that's everybody's different. Obviously, JB sliding on the flank, you know, yep. and um, you have Silvano who's getting locked in. Like, yeah, you know, everything's right. <laughs> Unless right. he's on the clock. <laughs> One <laughs> of the two. But still, Definitely. two different, you know, ways of doing that. And e- even that's a distraction at times I've found, you know, uh, you know, learning 
that, you know, one of the big things for me, uh, which I really changed into my hand a lot, because, you know, I started from a blank sheet learning Gary LeFew, uh, driving mm-hmm. to the front end. Um, I think it was a great that I needed that. The problem was, is because uh, I was brand new, I I went to one extreme and never learned the other side. So I never really learned to like lift on my bull rope. Yeah. It got me really far away from my hand, but into my hand. Just no, yeah. figured out my hips would come out is just because what was happening was when I left the chute, I was leaving so far over when they dropped, there was nothing yep. to pull my hips underneath mm. the rope. Yeah. My hips were coming out. And literally it was just, you know, been doing this for ten years and it was literally earlier this year when uh one of the Brazilians came up to me and um he was talking to me about end of my hand and he said don't change anything other than leaving the shoot pick up on your bull rope and drive when you leave drive just like you're driving but just make sure that you you know you can feel that you're holding on to that bull rope when you leave and he was just yeah. like his, all of a sudden i was like man this is easy now i know why people love bulls into their hand <laughs> <laughs> then i was trying to kick everything i got on for yeah part of that season i pro- probably 80 percent of the bulls that went into my hand i was firm <laughs> nice yeah yeah but little things like that but one thing i noticed was when i was locked in like that i could nod my head and then bulls be out of shape in there whereas before when i was leaving i felt like I had to get, I didn't want to get beat so bad that I couldn't nod my head if they were leaned up against me or, you know, I had to get them sitting up. So even that I noticed, you know, hindsight, like just at the process of like, man, that was a distraction where I was trying to get things perfect. Right. You know? Yeah. It's almost like you, you uh, mentally get a distraction already by trying to get it perfect when really in reality, it doesn't need to be when, when everyone's at their peak level, it's just get your hand in your rope, tie in, and get up there and nod your head and go. Yeah. But we get to thinking, oh, I didn't use my feet last time, or I didn't bow my chest out. So we try to get that perfect position, and we're thinking about it. And then when we nod our head, we're already, you know, we're already behind because we're thinking about our feet when that's not what you need to be thinking about. That's what you prepare the whole week for. And when you just, and you know, when you just get up there and nod your head and not think, it's 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 a game changer. But to get into that mental uh, stage is 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 harder when you're thinking about what you did wrong. It's almost like you know Douglas told me this when when uh, I was going through some struggles uh, with writing or just if I bucked off. He goes, "Man, once you get into the because I used to you know get pretty down on myself or mad if you may." Uh, and uh, he said, "Once you get back in the locker room and you you take your stuff off, you need to just let it go, forget about it. There's always going to be tomorrow or the next weekend to to get on one." And uh, that that played a huge part in in making me start riding a lot better. Because if you carry on and start thinking about all the things you've done wrong, it just it just doesn't work. Yeah, you're supposed to. Yeah, it's good to look at. Hey, I did this wrong, and I can critique it during the week, but." Well, if you just overly think about it, then in your mind, you form a habit of all the things you're doing wrong with your feet or if you don't, you know, get out over the front end. And uh, then you're mentally putting that in your head that that's what you're doing, even though it's wrong. So, you, you know, I think it's just got to be the positive person of thinking of things that you're going to do right and then just leave it at that and not worry about what you may have done wrong the last time. Yeah, I think one thing too, and, and I've really been working on this as well, and it's it's really helped my performance in consistency, 
and you know you can talk to Dakota Keith and they'll testify to it. One of the big things is like going from that. So after you after you buck off, you know, and after you you know don't don't get you don't win you don't you don't ride your bull. There's there's emotions that come from that. There's you know so much adrenaline and stuff like that. You know it, it can that emotion that you're feeling that's anger or whatever. If I can take that and I know you know mentally that I can take that. And instead of using that energy to, to into my past ride that I just got off of, if I take that energy and immediately start putting it onto the next one, yep. And then it then it actually drives me. And now you know instead of so you get adrenaline let down. This is uh, uh, physiology, physiological, physiological, right? So adrenaline let down where we hit such a high on the weekends that. Uh, we crash. So the yep. day day after, we're at a super low. You know, our adrenal glands are just freaking gone. So, but being able to, especially if we're completely focused on our failure, it seems to be worse then because then that letdown happens, and then it's harder to refocus in on the next weekend and get the that back up. And when I transition that into the future tense and I start using that same energy it's the same anger whatever whatever you want to call it the same emotion Mm -hmm. into that next pool ride I feel like I'm able to bounce back during the week a little bit faster because I think that crash doesn't happen quite as bad yeah definitely and then you're more consistent because you're able to take that but again again, that's easier said and done because there's still times like certain pressures right that's more difficult um one thing that cowboy uh Theron Hey, yep, Cowboy Throny. Yeah, Cowboy. So I was listening to him the other day, and uh, he was talking about like the transition in his career, where all of a sudden when he got to you know the UFC and stuff, like that pressure and all of that like was so much more. Like all of a sudden before he didn't care. It was just nothing mattered. It was just you know I'm fighting whatever i think that's an interesting thing because i think it happened the same thing in bull riding like i can remember back when i first started and you're just rodeoing and really nothing mattered you didn't care about much but then just the stage did you right. have, have how, how have you experienced that because you you kind of went through all of that i'm sure yeah uh i think when i very first came on and man it was a long time ago <laughs> like in 2000. 12 was the first year I came on and that's definitely something that uh when you get to the 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 big show it's it's a it dangers an eye opener you you hang your rope up to some of the guys you've looked up to and it it dangster plays a hard role in your mind but then again you just got to show up and not not be thinking about that let it go and ride and my first one I might have might have let slip a little bit I got on Ringo my very first my very first my very first event and it is like seven something but uh the the next one i rode but yeah sometimes you do get caught up in in the big lights the the guys that are there for your very first time but it's it's all just the same thing when you go to the small ones to the big ones if you can keep that same composure and not let all the drama or lights or all the stuff that goes with the big show get to you yeah that was like uh oh you just uh, Brazilian and really, really good Brazilian. He's over in Brazil and he moved back to Brazil, but uh, really talented Brazilian. And 
And it was interesting that, like, when he would get on tour and stuff, for him, it wasn't even so much the Bulls or anything. It was the other writers that he was around that actually, uh, you know, that was the biggest obstacle for him was, you know, performing with with those peers that he looked up to and stuff. Not so much even the stock that he was getting on. And yeah. That's a, that's another interesting thing that, that maybe uh, is good for kids coming up maybe to prepare upon, like, like that probably is maybe one of the biggest struggles when you first come up, like it's not even the stock so much. So like that's a distraction. Yeah. And if you know that the distraction going in, then you probably can be a little bit more prepared for it. And hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom fitted and shaped to perfection with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this. The founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. So some guys, it's probably not too. It probably depends on where you're from. I mean, heck, you know, you you have uh, guys coming up that I mean, that locker room's no different than what they're used to. Already, right. they're already around, you know, the triplets, and they're around all of that that same the group of guys. You know, they just you know now making that transition. Whereas some guys, it's not like for me, it was a big deal because I wasn't. I wasn't even around rodeo. I didn't know anything about rodeo <laughs> yeah. to the whole rodeo world. So when I started, it was just watching TV. So 2012, that was like the first time I got on Bulls. And, you know, I remember watching you on tour and, you know, did Silvana win? I think Silvana won 2012. Is that correct? Yep. Was, yep. I think it was Silvana. Yeah, because 13, I think. Uh, 11 and 12, he went back to back, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And 13 and 15, JB won it. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that was a I, – I really remember, you know, that and watching. So then, for me, I was – heck, I didn't spend much time going to amateur deals. I would – it was two years. It was three years, and I was – got on the tour for the first time. And that was, like, a – that was a big deal for me because I was still so fresh. But there was no – there was no real coaching or mental coaching. I think that's one thing that – Man, there needs to be more of, and there's just not a whole lot unless you're in little niches. Is right. people that have gone through it that have the experience and are willing to to help. Definitely, and I I was fortunate enough. Uh, growing up there in Montana, uh, Bo Hill lived five minutes from where I grew up. So as soon as I turned eighteen, I gotta start traveling with Bo Hill, and that was that was huge for me because yeah, I got I watched Bo Hill, and I was. Heck, I thought it was the coolest thing when he asked me to go because I got to watch him on TV, live five minutes down the road, and he showed me the ropes right off the bat. And and like you said, that's huge. That's huge to be able to go to your very first event with someone you've looked up to and someone that's your buddy, and that kind of 
breaks the ice if you may it makes makes you feel pretty good it makes you i know i buffed my chest out. i'm like yeah i'm with bow hill let's go <laughs> so i mean yeah that is a huge deal if you if you know that happens definitely yeah yeah, d- yeah i could i could imagine because even like when i started going um and when i first was going to torn for i was just going by myself so mm-hmm. I was a you know completely foreign. I didn't really know a lot of my buddies that I you know would have known went PRCA route. You know guys like yep. Dan Fugate, uh, Mason Mason did, but at that time I was so fresh, I was still so new that I Mason was still one of the people. Um, at that time he wasn't in the PBR like that, but locally yep. in Missouri Mason was dominating. You know so yeah. he was. You know, so I really got to know Mason really well. It it was probably two or three years. But then yep. again, that's also, I think, you know, part of going through that process of going to these, you know, small associations and actually staying in them. Whereas I didn't like I was, you know, I didn't spend enough time in any one association. It was one. I didn't go back to another finals outside of uh, any PBR stuff until like last year when I realized when I come back from injury that it'd be good to go get on. <laughs> right. Then, right. No, yeah. Finals were in like December. And at that time there's nothing to go to. So I'm like, I need to start buying my card cause there's money to be won. Yeah. You know, but you know, for kids coming up, actually being able to go through that process and that, that, you know, that process and that development, that was, that's another thing too. So, uh, uh my agent, Vinny, um, he was talking to me because he comes from baseball, you know, baseball is a, it's a development sport and it makes sense. So guys in baseball, if you're 22 and you get into the MLB, you're stupid young. There's not very many of them out there. Most guys are 24, 26 years old when they're Mm -hmm. their rookie year, you know, and they spent, you know, four or six years in the minor league system on skill development. Right. Uh, I think bull riding, uh, I think that that's going to become necessary, especially with the caliber of bulls coming up and uh, like pulling a lot of these young guys in too early. Um, I think is a detriment to maybe where they could peak out, you know, especially with, you know, you get on those bulls at that level and you're not quite ready for it. Like the injuries, that's right. You know, that, that can and be that- that's a huge deal too, because uh, there's probably been so many bull riders that maybe didn't get the help they needed right away, and you know maybe got got hurt to where they couldn't really have a career because they didn't have the the uh, training, if you may, to get them prepared for that caliber, that level, and uh, that is something I agree with you on. It would be nice to have like a mentor being younger uh before you get here just to kind of show you the ropes just to kind of get you mentally physically just kind of prepared for the the big show because yeah it it, i know there's been kids that have been very good that have gotten hurt at a too young of a stage and they don't get to carry on with their career and and it's just kind of a it's a sad thing to see because this sport already is kind of dying down because i mean and a lot of parents ain't letting kids ride bulls this day and age they're seeing what it does and and uh, I think if they seen, you know, if they had a route to where they could actually get some coaching, some some mentorship uh, before they got to that level, I think it would help tremendously. Yeah, and I, I think we're at a weird spot, too, on that front where, uh, you know, the bucking bull industry 
and the writer development industry really are kind of in a weird spot and it needs to really be addressed and it needs to be addressed quickly because you are seeing some of these mini buck and bulls i don't i don't care how good you are you you have no business getting on a a, a animal that bucks that hard at 15 years old you know right you go like that's that with that that is to a, at a detriment whereas you know uh you know, some of these kids are so little and they're getting on bucking bulls and they go 90 and it's a legit 90 for size comparison. Like, right. you know, when they're 20 and they get on that bull, if that bull's going to be bigger, but they're going to be bigger type of a deal. So, you know, that kind of transitionary place from transitioning from steers to, you know, when you turn 18 and you're getting on bulls, that's kind of an area that I think really needs to be addressed yeah uh see when it, it's a, it was different when when i started growing up uh or when i went into it i was just i went from steers there was no mini bulls so it was steers junior bulls junior and bulls. and i think that needs to come back because the mini bulls just i i'm not a big fan of mini bulls whatsoever they they're just i just don't like the way they buck i don't i don't think it's it's very smart but hey that's just me i think junior bulls way better uh because you see these 16 17 year old kids kids still getting on mini bulls and it's like i mean there's got to be a stage where it's it's either you know you got to mentally get tough too and you got to get on big bulls as well you can't be you know in high school getting on mini bulls i don't think that's right at all either when i was in high school i was already getting on big bulls right uh they're that kind of and they don't have to be the rank they weren't the rankest ones right they're just they're bulls though but that mentally prepares you for the next step. But when you get on mini bulls until you're a junior in high school, it's that's not going to get you to the career that you want to be at. Like you need to, there needs to be, uh, I think junior bulls is the best thing. It yeah. just, you know, and they don't have to be the rankest ones. They can be jumping kickers, but that mentally gets you prepared for the, for the real deal. I think size too. So I think that some of it is, okay, well this bull bucks really hard. And he's small, so he's gonna a guy's gonna want to get on him. But I think size is a big deal, like, and that's a mental thing. So I think you right our kids do need to make that mental switch to you know a bigger bull. I was talking to Kurt Check when we were over in Saudi Arabia, and he was talking about like because he does a lot for the kids and stuff like that. And he was talking about you wouldn't believe how much size matters. You they they right. a lot of these kids would rather get on a wild little freaking calf, you know versus a bigger bull that stands good and doesn't buck very hard that's great and that's that's the mental step that that almost will break kids because then they'll have to transition to where they are getting on bigger bulls and then they get on this they they draw this big big bull that yeah might not buck that hard but he's so big but he's mentally already beat because he's so used to just getting on the little mini bulls yeah and that doesn't that just i don't think that helps your game whatsoever yeah and I, man, another thing too, though, is when, you know, going that route is like the profitability of having these associations and stuff is it's not there. So I think, you know, the buck and bull industry right lately, it's, it's transformed because now there's money to be made and, uh, you know, you can actually make a little bit of money, you know, with these right. teams and with, and, and, and keeping, you know, more head of freaking bulls is not the answer, you know? Right. You're not getting, 
you're getting paid to win and you can keep, you know, 10 bulls instead of freaking 30, especially these bulls that are weaker, that would be good for practice. Like there's no profit in, in having that. That is true. I think that's going to, that's, that's a big detriment to where we're at too on that. And I know there's not a lot of places to go. Like I, I, in the last six months I've had probably in the last year I've had I've had over, you know, probably a dozen, close to 20 people ask me, hey, is there any practice pens around here? Because I moved back closer to Springfield. And I'm like, when I first started, there was, you know, you could, yeah. was, there was four practice pens within two and a half hours. And now I'm like, there's only one practice pen that I can even, that I would recommend somebody going to that's just, just beginning mm-hmm. within two and a half hours of my house. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, with, like you said, with how much money you can make and it's hard to feed a bull that don't buck as hard. But, you know, I think a lot of guys, too, they quit doing a lot of practices because then you just get guys coming out there and not trying. Or he, they'd let them get on them kind of weaker bulls and say, hey, I'll let you get on, you know, all the weaker bulls, but I need one to get – I need you to get on just one good one for me. Right. And, that, and that would be the problem is these kids would go get on the weaker bulls, but then they just wouldn't even get on the good one. And so guys are like, well, if you can't help me out while I'm helping you out, why am I going to keep these bulls that don't buck as good? And, you know, if you're going to be a bull rider, if you're going to get in this game, you got to get on everything. You can't just get on the easy ones. It's got to be, you know, if you're going to get better and be at the highest level, you got to get on the easy ones to get better, but you got to get on the good ones in practice too to be at that next level. You can't just keep coasting. It's got to be, I got to get better and I got to get on the good ones in practice as well. And especially for people that are still on that skill development stage. Yeah. No, definitely. Especially then, because I remember going to Kevin Gross. Um, uh, I remember going to his place when I first moved to Springfield and, you know, going through that phase and him being like, look, if you want to go and ride those ranked bulls, you better get on them because you need to yeah. know what you feel like. And definitely going to his house and, and, and getting on bulls, uh, Every single time he would try to sell one of his ranked bulls, you know, I told him, you call me. <laughs> yeah. Get on him because I need to know what that feels like, you know. So going and getting on those ranked bulls and David Day was down close to Springfield at that time. It's crazy now. Like when I first started, you weren't getting paid to get on practice bulls. You were paying. I would, you know, I'd pay $30 every Sunday to go get on practice bulls. And nowadays, it, you know, they're paying guys. But David... You know, he'd be like, on my on my rank bulls, if you ride them over four seconds, I'll give you $200. And if you ride them for uh, eight seconds, I'll give you $500. You know, it's just kind of right. a motivator for for guys. And then, you know, he would have some, you know, that were just. But, but basically, same deal. You're required to get on one of his good bulls. Yeah, definitely. And that's what makes you better. You know, you're only going to be as good as what you practice on. Um, now, I'm not saying, oh, you got to get on a PBR short round bull at a practice spin. No, I'm not saying that, but you can't just keep on getting on the duck little spinners. Yeah, that helps your confidence. But once your confidence is high, you need to get on something that's going to test your ability and something that's going to test your ability is going to make you better rider. Yeah. And I think even some of these are a detriment. Like, you know, if I come the last couple of years, like as a rehab assignments, I've been staying close to the house and, um, uh, like for the first, you know, months or so coming back and just getting on bulls, right? Just getting getting used to the eight second clock. But even that, like I've started noticing, like I have to be really careful about what which one of these are going to because some of these bulls are so weak 
that it's I it's not helping me. It, it almost hurt me. <laughs> it actually right. you, know, you 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 need to get on something that's gonna. Oh, yeah, because just like you said, you perform you, on a weaker bull that's just chasing his tail. You're gonna have you're gonna almost have bad habits come up because you can you can sit on your ass or you don't have to get out over them. It, you can just almost sit there and just throw your hand over your head. You know that's not helping you at all. That's actually pushing you backwards. You need to get on something that kicks good that actually makes you get out over and throw your chest and, you know, do the right, correct moves, not just sit there and hang on. You're you're moving. You're And when you get on those ranked bulls, you have to be moving. And some yep. of the big bulls, you don't move on and you shouldn't no. move on them. And that's right. a, that's a huge difference, you know, that I've that I've noticed on on that. And also it's a thinking process. Uh, you know, I noticed on really good bulls that I get on. I'm not thinking at all. It's no salt. Right. You know? And yes. then uh, on slower bulls, like my mind's engaged. And you still ride bulls where your mind's engaged. But if you're always riding bulls where your mind's engaged like that, and you're not used to just that reaction um, yep. and that feel, that's a big difference there. And it takes a second to kind of learn how to, to ride those bulls where you're not sinking. Right. Uh, it takes a lot of, like, you were going back to the training and stuff like that. Um uh, I was uh, when I was at that town band championship and I went back there and he's like, he's like, man, that's what 500 drills a, a day does. I'm like, well, I'm not doing it for no reason. Cause I know that my brain is only going to do what it's been trained to do. Cause right. you know, you're not reacting. You get on, you know, anytime, especially getting on bulls where you're probably 88 and over, you know, outside of maybe a few that spend so much time in the air where it's just like, Oh yeah, dreaming. Black, but I bet you can think. I bet you can think I'm gonna gut him while you're on the back of him, <laughs> <laughs> just because of how much time he spends in the air. <laughs> and another little deal on the practice deal. Uh, my dad was big on putting me on hard jump kickers that really jumped and kicked, and that's huge. Like direction change is is nothing different than a jump kicker. If you can ride a heavy jump kicker, you can ride a spinner, and. uh that's a big thing guys need to start getting on is hard jump kickers. Uh, it teaches you so much and it's so beneficial for you. Uh, sometimes, you know, kids just want to get the, nowadays you want to get the videos to put on Instagram of the spinners and what looks good. But honestly, a jump, hard jump kicker, that's going to tug on you a little bit. That's key too. Yeah. And I think too, especially, okay. I say, especially now that I think so, just because when I started, so a lot of lower level bulls, uh, they don't hit as hard. So you can almost just hang out over the front end. Like, that's yep. the end. Hang out over the front end. They, they're they not hitting that hard and they're moving forwards, right? But these ranked bulls and these bulls that are bucking hard, they hit so hard that the, the mm -hmm. kick is just as important as the front end. Um, right. You know, because you can get hung out over the front end if you're not ready to meet that kick. And on yep. these hard, heavy buck, uh, jump kickers like that, you know, you have to meet the kick good. I think that's yep. one, one benefit, and I think that's probably a place I agree with you 100%. I remember going to Ray Cox in Jacksonville, Illinois, and he kind of taught me a lot. Uh, and um, he used to live with Jim Shoulders and traveling, mm -hmm. and he did Saddle Bronc, you know, all of it. And he had a black bull there, and that sucker bucked. And it was like bush back, you know, bushwhacker where they hit that front end, and then their front end comes off the ground, and then their back end hits. And so yep. they're hitting real hard and would never turn back at all mm -hmm. he'd make like a circle and then go over to the out gate and yep. <laughs> that, 
looking back at my career, I'm like, that bull right there is probably the perfect practice bull. Just because you have to go to the front end, can't miss it, and yep. you have to meet the kick. But, you know, the bull's going to go straight. It's just the fundamentals of, you know, of yep. that. So I, I actually agree with you on that. And that's huge. You know, once you get the fundamentals down, the spin's easy. The spin is really easy. You just, you know, just boop over your head or just a little. But once you get the front and back really down, that should, that's game changer for a lot of people. And a lot of younger kids nowadays don't realize that. You got to get the front, the you know, getting to the front and throwing your chest. The spin's the easy part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you find that, I don't know for, but for me, like, if you know, and, and I think a lot of guys hitting that, that spot where, you know, you do enough drills and once you find that spot where you're riding, you just get, you're just, you get tapped unless that bull, you know, obviously like champion or chip run bulls and, and some really good long run bulls will switch up their timing and stuff throughout it. But, you know, you get that timing coming out and it's just, you know, eight seconds comes pretty quick. It makes it makes riding a lot easier. That's for sure. And and you only, you only really can really get that feel from getting on practice bulls and from the drill. I think the buck right and the drop barrel have been one of the biggest uh, benefits it's to bull riders. It's a game changer. Definitely that buck right. Uh, it's huge. I love it. You know, you go. You wake up. Go have some coffee. Get on the buck right. Go to lunch. Come back, get on the buck right. At night, get on the buck right. You just drill, drill, drill. It's just like a basketball player. He's going to shoot 103 pointers in game scenario situations. He's going to just shoot, 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 shoot until he's locked in all over the court. Football player, he's going to run a bunch of routes, catch the ball. Quarterback's going to throw the ball a bunch of times. Four riders need to get drills locked in and drills dedicated in their life. It's just a game changer. It's to me, it's like a treadmill for bull riders. Like, oh, definitely. Guys go, guys go into the gym getting on the tread, treadmill, buy you a buck right instead of getting on that treadmill, get on the buck right for, you know, your 15 minute warm up, then go work out and then get on it. Yep. I, I started almost all my workouts that I do when my legs not broke, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, you know, is revolved around that buck right. Like I'm doing yep. sets, I'm doing. Like there's a, a, a wad that I, I CrossFit wad, um, the Murph, you know, where you run a mile, you do 300 squats, um, 200 pushups, 100 pull-ups, run a mile, right? And so I've, I've taken that because I always loved that workout and I just attach my buck right into that and, yep. you know, just doing all supersets, you know, and stuff like that where, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because endurance is such a huge part of our sport and it's like nobody talks about it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, you know, especially in, especially in bull riding, uh, not just rodeos. Rodeos where you're getting on one stock, it's a little bit less if you're just getting on one head. But, the, you know, you get on, you know, two head, you know, and there's a longer run, short round, and then you get one re-ride. Uh, the other day I got on, when I broke my leg, it was the fourth bull I got on that day, you yeah. know, between re-rides and stuff like that. So, like, the endurance part of it is such a big part of it. So, like, I think that's where the buck ride is is just as beneficial than even, you know, the, all the, the, the form and, and, and that, that comes along with it because you're building endurance up where you need it. Yeah. And, and in the buck, right. The, the guy who built it, he did an amazing job. It, it feels like a jump kicker. It feels really good. 
and it just lets you really just get the basics down and just keep drilling them into your mind that it's just the basics, just up, down, and getting it really formed in your mind to perfection almost, if you may, because there has not been a machine like that before times. It was the old, you had to go up and down, helping your buddy, and you'd only do it for five, six minutes because you guys, you got to get tired of bucking it for you. And this that thing just like so me real. That was in dirt too. That was, yeah, that was, that too. wasn't, that was definitely, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a guy just, would get tired of doing that so it made it to where uh you can really ride that thing for two three five minutes at one time whatever you wanted to do and really just get locked in on on all the stuff you needed to work on and just the endurance that way to where you're actually i mean having fun doing it as well i think too so one thing that i i i really like and i, I would actually encourage first of all the buck right should be 80 percent of you know, as far as the barrels are concerned, buck right is like 80, a good 80% of your barrel drills should be buck right. Um, stationary barrel too. You should use a stationary Dude. barrel. Oh yeah. A lot 100%. Too. But I, I think the balance between, so I would get a, a regular, um, uh, uh, I'm going to call it, now we call them buck rights, um, drop barrel, <laughs> a regular drop barrel and put enough springs on there where you can get on it by yourself where, yep. The only way it goes is if you force the moves, you have to force them. Um, yep. and I think that's a good practice because on the back of bulls, there's times where you just have to force that movement. Yeah, so That's where that, you know, if you're supplementally using that and forcing it, I think it's a good practice. And that's what's cool is like, but the Brook right, you, you're not having to force that. It's about timing. So it's almost like two different ways, like the timing so important. So that should be the majority of what you get on where you're not forcing moves. You're actually, your moves are within a, a timing, you know, and you're used to a rhythm. Um, yep. And at the same time, utilizing stuff like a regular drop barrel to where you kind of have to force those moves. Right. Fight for position. Yeah. Fight for position. Yeah. And even, even maybe uh, uh, a, a, a mighty bucky every once in a while supplementally as well just because it's a different feeling like, different yeah you know there's time there could be one jump within a ride and it may not be very many bulls but that one jump you know if you're in you know if you're in the championship round at a utb and it's that one jump and you know what that feels like and you're prepared you know then i think it, it benefits a guy um to yeah, kind of yeah to use as supplements but yeah i agree that the buck rides just changed the entire game <laughs> yeah I, I i tell people they go well it's kind of expensive i say you get a buck right you spend two weeks on it it pays itself off right away spend yeah. the money to get better and it pays itself off in in a heartbeat i spent more when i bought my buck right i spent more money on my buck right than i spent on a vehicle and it was the best decision i ever made <laughs> oh it, it it is it's the, the thing's amazing. I love it. It uh, It's just awesome. Awesome tool to have in your toolbox, that's for sure. Yeah. And, I, and it, 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 I think that it helps that development side without the, you know, just the danger of having to go and, and get on all the time. You know, with people, 100%. Like, you just, you had to get on a lot of practice pools. Especially when you're, when you're our age, the buck ride's key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, I think it is key though, in it, for people that are, you know, when you get to that level where you're going all the time and you're dealing with little injuries here and there, like, I think that it, it can be super beneficial. Definitely. Another thing, like, so this, this past year, it was in February, uh, I broke my foot 
Um, and so I was still, you know, writing while I was kind of at that thing. Well, what I started doing um, is when I would get on that buck right, I would actually start using that foot. And like, I knew that I, at least throughout the week, sometimes as much as I could, I needed to learn how to embrace that pain from yeah. your foot. And so every single time I'd get on, I would kick it. And I just, I knew it was going to hurt, but I'm like, if I'm going to ride with my foot like this, which I'm going to, it wasn't like a bad, you know, injury. It's just, yeah. Yeah. you're not going to do anything about it. So you might as well get used to freaking, you know, what that feels like. Freaking that weekend, Wichita bull came around and I was in that spot where like, you have to start opening up and I just started freaking doing it. And I felt it in my heel. You know, you can feel that spurt yeah, yeah. into your heel. <laughs> and instead of backing off and he being hesitant, I had trained myself during the week. Take, yep. take it Definitely. and actually embrace it and go through it and finished him off, stepped off on my feet. Um, and, you know, little things like that where you can't, that's much more difficult to do, um, you know, outside of having a barrel like that. Definitely. But, yeah, man, you've been, in when you started, you were talking about you, uh, you your rookie year was 2012. Is that right? Well, see, oh. they, uh, I went to a handful then, but my I guess my rookie, I don't it used to be when I was going as the very first event you made it to was your rookie year. And then they changed it to the first finals you made it to was your rookie year. If they would have changed that to, to uh, 2013 being my rookie year, I would have won rookie of the year all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, they did it when I first got on. It was the very first UTB you rode in. That was your rookie year. Interesting. So they now, now it's, because I'm still not a rookie. It's it, your top 30 in the world after the first cut. But I don't know what it is now because now that's changed with a shortened season. Because the was it year before or whatever, and I um, went to Arcadia. Well, that year I in January I did really well. And so I was like 13th in the world, and then I broke my collarbone at Arcadia. And that took me, and it was like the cut was – I don't know when it, when that was March or May, April maybe. I don't. Yeah. I was like thirty three, and Jack was like, "Yeah, you're not a rookie." <laughs> I'm like, "Dang it!" I was, that was the one time because I came back, and um, so I know that that's changed then. Because the first, yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know what it is now. I don't. Yeah, I couldn't tell season, you. And they don't really do cuts. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Cuts are weird now because it's like two weeks on and two weeks off and then it's based on uh because we we just went through this this past year like dakota me dakota and casey when we were going up there and it was weird like uh because i was even hiring at one place i was hiring the standings in dakota but i had no guaranteed events because i had taken second at a couple events and he since he had won one he was guaranteed two yep. events or you used to oh. just be guaranteed one Correct. So with short season, it's like guaranteed two. And then they don't even base it off of, it's like the last four weeks. So it's like the, how good you did in the last four weeks is how you get on. It's something weird like that. I didn't even yeah. understand it and I didn't want to because I'm like, I'm going to spend freaking four hours trying to figure the system out. Right, yeah. Because it, it's gotten way too complicated. But then it got to the point where I was kind of having to a little bit because people don't realize the difference like one weekend i plan in on going to south carolina and then i get a call 
three days before saying, hey, we want you in Sacramento. (laughs) That's the other side of the country, bud. So exactly. I spent so much money on that because I was not prepared. Um, You know, so that weekend cost me like probably two grand, you know, and (laughs) that's and that's a huge deal, too. Like you're already set to go to play or to wherever the case may be. And then they call you, give you three days. It's mentally draining. It's hard on a guy. You got to spend all that money and then they expect you to go from A to B so fast. It's like it'd just be nice if there was a little more better heads up because when you're at that position too, it's so expensive. It's like, what do I do? But everybody's got the same goal. They want to make the world final. So everyone goes to that bigger event. It's just, uh, I think it's just needs to be a little better system of letting these guys that are trying their butts off, spending all their money to get to the big show, just, you know, give them a better heads up or just wait until the following weekend. Say, yeah, you made it this weekend, but we're going to let you stay at uh, where you already planned. And we're going to guarantee you next weekend. That way you have a little time to prepare with finances and just uh, with just everything, like have a plan set together. That way you're not just going there and, wasting the money not wasting the money but mentally it's it's just hard on guys to transition from that in such a short time it's harder now too because they've the new format where they're taking 65 guys and like you're out one day and you know outside of the seated you know i don't know what it is top 20 top 15 um yeah i'm not sure what it is uh but you know, some guys are seated and, and some guys aren't. And I've been on both sides. And that's a weird thing, too, when you don't even really know. <laughs> but, um, like, if you're going and you're guaranteed one bull, you know, like that deal was I was guaranteed one bull. And right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes so much longer to get 65 guys in that event. And, you know, they're dealing with people out of the country. They're dealing with injuries. And there's, the staff is only so big. So, you know, it's really three guys i don't i know it's ruby jack i'm sure there's you know a couple more that are in there doing stuff but like that's a lot of work for for oh yeah they were they they work there they work hard they they do yeah no joke definitely they got it they got a tough job that's for sure let's just say that (laughs) it's one thing where i'm like no matter what how frustrated i am i'm like do not ever take this out on ruby and jack (laughs) yep yep they they they, uh angels (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do so much, and uh, they 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 they're awesome. They do a lot for us, and uh, I know I'm sure they get a hand, quite a bit of uh, calls, or they get yelled at. But <laughs> well, there's so many few, there's so many different like rule changes and stuff that happen, and it's just right. like, trying to fly. You know, like y- how many questions they field that aren't even entry related. I right a bunch like what are the rules here like what's happening you know yeah but what's going on <laughs> what's going on because i know last year they changed so the world finals they changed the velocity standings um from torn pros count they 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 didn't count to start it was just velocities that counted towards the velocity finals and the yep. velocity standings and then they changed it to where torn pros count and then they changed it back and then at the very end of the year the last five events they changed it back to torn pros counts and it was just like that's crazy that's crazy to me because you're having events in fort worth every thursday that are torn pros and yep. talking about 
guys that are trying to make the world finals that do not live in Fort Worth or in Texas, you know, even guys on the East coast for me, it's still, you know, 11, 12 hours to get to Fort Worth. Yeah. So, but if I know that going to those events is going to benefit me in making the world finals, I'm going to them. But if, yes. if I don't think it's beneficial, then that's an extra day of travel. That's, you know, if I have to be in Fort Worth and then I have to be in South Carolina, that's, that's money and planes. That's, you know, yep. us scheduling, that was a, you know, crazy ordeal for us. And then looking back at it, when they finally changed it back to Torn Pros Counts, I just like, man, you know, I came, I, you know, finished strong and got back up to seventh. And if I would have known that and I would have went to Torn Pros, then I would have had even more points and I would have really been able to push myself to, to get into the world finals via that, that exemption. Yep. So that was, that, that's an interesting thing. And I think it matters even more now that some of these kind of structures get consistent because of the shortened season. Oh yeah, it has to, it has to be. Uh, I think it just needs to be from the beginning of the year. It has to stay the same. It can't keep switching like that. It, it makes it hard on, planning for us one and especially on the ruby and jack when they got to try to explain to everybody that this change and that change it makes their job just so complicating yeah i i talked to ruby probably way too much you know <laughs> all that i'm like can you explain this to me because <laughs> and then i'm just at, at you know at some point i'm like all right i did it, whatever happens now it's gonna... right and it just comes at the end of the day what it really comes down to is stay on your bulls and you're going to yeah. win money. You're going to get on tour and, you know, you just can't get worked up and, and all the stuff that changes and, and the things that go on behind the scenes, you just got to just stay on bulls and that's it. You know, Mason Lowe, I, I've reminded myself this every once in a while, but I remind myself of this every once in a while, but Mason telling me, uh, he's like, doesn't matter how many long rounders you ride. It's how many short rounders you ride. He said, you know, if you want to get where you're going, ride your short round bulls. You ride two bulls and you'll go everywhere you want to go. Um, and I just always took that kind of to heart, like, you know, in that process, like it's the short rounds where you go. And everybody that complains about, you know, in, in the regular season, the team stuff is a whole different world that we're getting yep. into during the regular season and, and what PBR has been. Um, it's up to you. And if you ride your bulls, you go where you want to go. And 100%. you may get screwed. You may get screwed a lot. I got called for multiple slaps this past year, you know, in a row that like were just weren't there and I couldn't challenge them. And I've made that decision. I'm like, look, that happens. But I, right. I push through and you get through it. And, it, and you know, looking back, I'm like, that's not what cost me going to the world finals. What cost me going to the world finals is I didn't ride as many short rounders as I needed to. Yep. You know. Yeah, then, I mean, at, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, anything can change. Like new rules can come upon us, but you just stay on. You're going where you want to go. Simple. Stay on your bull, and that's and all it takes. That's, <laughs> that's going back to those distractions. That's one of them. And like when you get to Definitely. the thing, then there's more on the line. And yeah you want to get pulled into all of that instead of just, you know, what's in front of you, just one bullet. Yep. Uh, I, yep. I think too, you know, it's, it's fascinating, but like when you look at sports and you look at guys that are going to retire, like guys that say, I'm, I'm, this is, this is when I'm done. And they put a timeline, Sean Willingham, good example, Albert Pujols, another example, 
you know, Tom Brady, and he just dominated his whole career. But right. <laughs> guys that go get into that spot, Brett Favre, where they say, I'm going to retire. And it's just like it frees them from all of those distractions. And they perform at a level that a lot of times they've either never performed at or it's been a long time since they've performed at that level. And that always right. intrigued me, you know, that whole, you know, why is that happening? It has to be they're freeing themselves from all of those distractions that, you know. Yeah, I think it, I think it, you get caught up sometimes in all the stuff that might get thrown at you where you just let it go. And you're just like, I'm just going to enjoy the last little bit of my career and just yeah. enjoy the moment that I still have in this sport that you don't get, you don't get worked up or caught up in that anymore. You just go and ride, you go and enjoy the last few times you got. And it just makes it a, uh, like you almost are starting out again. Like your first getting on tour, it's like, this is like almost new again. Cause you're just going to let all of it go and just enjoy the, the last few times you got or the, the year you got. And it just, just frees you from getting caught up in the drama, if you may. Do you get because you've been you've been there where you're top five in the world, and you know the the PBR is really promoting you, and they're you know you you're a face, you know, and you you see this happen throughout people's careers. Do you find that there's more pressure there? Because I, I I think for some guys that seems to happen and then performance starts to dip off. Maybe it's the autograph signings. Maybe it's the, you know, you need to be up at six o'clock this morning at the arena instead of, you know, kind of taking out of the flow. What was that like? And what have you noticed in your career on that side? I think again, it's just what, if you get caught up into all that being more important than just the task at hand of just staying on and doing the, the basics. uh, If you let all of that stuff get into your head and let it play into your head. That's not why we ride bulls. We ride bulls because we want to stay on. We want to be the best. And the, all the stuff that comes with it just comes with it. And you got to be able to handle it. But if you let it get into your head that you got to do this or that, or you're almost too good to do this and that, uh, it just doesn't work. It's got to just just be the stay on bulls. Don't get caught up into the, the yeah. crap or the, the drama or whatever it may be and just do the job – do what you started as a kid to do. Stay on bulls, have fun, and enjoy it. But once you lose task of that, that that's when it gets hard, and that's when you don't perform at the best of your level. When you get caught up and oh, I got to sign, or it just that's what comes with the sport. Go and enjoy it, and if you don't want to do it, just don't do it, and just focus on riding bulls. And you do get everybody gets caught up in it, though. You know, yeah. it's just what happens. Yeah, especially if you're doing it all the time and you're. Not used to it. There's one benefit. <laughs> it's one benefit and something guys can learn from the Brazilians, especially when they first come over and they don't, the ones that don't know English. And they, a lot of times, that's a, that's some of their best times in their career because they yeah. get drawn into it. It's, it is right. an immediate focus. They're not outside of their little, you know, their little culture that they're in. And that breeds, you know, Winning because it, it's it takes it, it takes away distractions. It's almost a right. against distraction. Um, yep. That really goes away, you know, once you actually start learning and stuff. But um, and I know. So I was talking to uh, Andrew Alvidrez, and he was saying that like, um, and you were you would have been there. So I don't. He was saying that like the year Cooper won it, like Cooper he didn't stay in the host hotel. He kind of stayed by himself because that was what he knew. And right really just in that spot you know and he made that decision to not get out of that spot um you know when he got on tour and that you know obviously worked 
Yeah, it's just what the guy's got to find what really works for you and stick yeah. with it and not not get drawn away from it. And and that's where it can get hard. Sometimes you, you know, some weekends you don't stick to what works for you. you just got to find what works, stick with it, and keep doing it. Um, before before I let you go, there's one more thing that I I love. This is what I love about like going to those PBRs and going, you know, and especially the UTBs. Um, and it's the competitors, the, the competitiveness within everybody. And I, I, to the core, I'm a competitor and whatever yep. I'm doing, I do not like to lose. If we're playing ping pong, then I'm going to, I'm, you're, I'm not going to let you win. Um, <laughs> if we're playing golf. It doesn't matter if you're right. shooting 89, I have to shoot at 98. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't care. At that point, I don't even care about how good I do as long as I'm beating you. Yep. And so, you know, and, and at each stage, like there's guys and it's almost like they can't handle being in that because it's, it comes off sometimes as arrogant, but it's not, it's competitive. No. It's, you yep. know, but I, what I love about going, especially with UTBs is it not even the bulls, every single person there, they to their very core want to win. And yep, 100%. I, that atmosphere is, I think the best atmosphere in the, in <laughs> that you can possibly be in. A hundred percent. It's, it's, you hang with winners, you're going to be a winner and everyone there is a winner, you know, and, and it's just getting with the guys that uh, help push you though, too. It's, it's being with guys that are going to push you along the way, finding the guy that you, uh, get along with really well that's going to motivate you to do better and the, you know that's who you kind of team up with and stay with through the weekend uh and that's someone that's just going to help you out to be a better person a better rider just better overall in life and it's you know you're going with people that are winning and riding and you do not want to be the guy that's losing no. there's nothing more motivating than going with guys that are consistent riding well yeah, you wanna you wanna ride. You wanna you know it's fun to go when you go to a bull riding and everyone does good and you just they're all happy because you can talk about oh we got first second and third what a great weekend. But when you go and you're the one that bucks off, the other two stay on. It's like oh dang it, yeah. it pushes you to do good the next weekend. So you're not the one guy who bucked off. <laughs> I need to. We need to do it again. I'm gonna do it next year. We're gonna do it next year. But uh, so uh, it was a couple years back and me Keith and Lucas Phipps. So my daughter has this cowgirl up buckle and it's yeah. pink and all of that. And I said, at the end of each month, whoever has the least amount of PBR points has that's to wear right. that buckle for the entire month. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. That's good. That's a good one. Keith would go in there and I told the secretary so that she knew. And every time she would make Keith, she's like, Keith, I don't see it. And so he'd have to pull his shirt up and tuck it in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> stuff like that you know i think is it keeps everything light too a little right bit, but. yeah you gotta you gotta hey this is this is why we ride bulls it's fun we love doing it when you take it serious then it's not fun no more you don't compete as well you don't you don't do as well you're you're taking it as a serious job and it, it makes it not fun well when it's not fun you don't perform as good as you should be yeah it's, it's serious and it's it's something that you've dedicated your life for but at the end of the day it's got to be fun it's got to be enjoyable and that's what makes you consistently do good every weekend when you're having fun. When you're going there and worrying about everything else, it's it's just like it's like some knob that turns in your head. You just don't ride as good. But when it's fun and you're enjoying every aspect of flying to the hotels to just everything that comes with it, it's like it's just the whole 
new mindset of just enjoying everything that is with the bull riding and you're then you're riding at the best your game you know yeah yeah for sure and then just how how to stay in that zone you know how yep. to stay in that zone and and make those adjustments and but man it's been awesome having you on we'll do it again yeah, thanks you, buddy but, uh, yeah my legs broke so we're but lately we're doing it here <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah thank well, thanks you, thanks for having me on kyle i appreciate it it's fun uh what are your social tags for people to find you uh instagram's just triplet 90 uh facebook's matthew caleb triplet and uh don't have twitter or tiktok yeah. i do i don't use them <laughs> yeah i don't tiktok every once in a while i'll post a video of my rides or whatever but it's like super not consistent at all and then twitter yeah. i didn't even know i had twitter but uh, i guess i do because kelly Vinny probably created it for me and then i mm-hmm. never i don't think i, I mean i had i had twitter but i just you know i just i don't know i lost lost I touch can, with it i can handle like two that i yeah. can't all the which i i say that that's my fault because I have a dashboard that allows me to make a post on every single platform with one post and I just don't use it. So yeah, it's really my laziness, but <laughs> <laughs> I can be lazy in one area. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think too much social media doesn't benefit a person either because you get drawn to your phone and it distracts you from really what you need to do in life. And that's get better at, uh, whatever you may do. And if you're looking at your phone 24 seven, that ain't doing nothing but hurt I- you. My that's an interesting thing because my whole social media presence and stuff is like everything I do is kind of business related, you know. Right. For, for my personal thing, it's for fans and also for sponsors. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. They get a little bitty, but like like with the app and what we're doing with Western Edge is like I'm get you know I'm in the the tech world now. You know, was it like yeah. not? I'm you know I'm doing a lot of that kind of stuff, but I've made it a point in that transition to. Like there's certain times in the day, you know, between four to eight, you know, while I'm spending time with the family, it's like I've turned my phone on silent. I get away from it, Um, you know, making sure even more now because now it's not so much just an enjoyment. Like I'm not going to because when my kid, when my daughter sees me on the phone, she doesn't know if I'm working. You know, Yeah. so and I can let her know and I can teach her those things. But, you know, just being careful on that front, like everything that she sees me do is. Uh, she doesn't know the full context of all of it and and then if it is me and her time i better be spending time with her and not on my phone you know like, definitely you, you lose the the human contact when you know even you see a lot of people at dinner they're just you know on the phone 24 7 the phone's good don't get me wrong i'm not saying yeah, i'm yeah. not bashing any of right, it right. but to have that connection with somebody it's got to be looking in their eyes, talking to them, looking at them, not talking to them going like this. It's hard to have the connection and the feeling of, you know, that you're, you're entered in the conversation. Yeah. It's, man, it's even like this podcast, uh, that's one reason why I decided to do it the way I'm doing it. Cause we're traveling so much, you know, actually have it in person is, you know, and then supplementally when you have to, you know, using technology like zoom is awesome. But oh, hundred percent. That, that whole one-on-one thing. There's just something to it that you can't recreate through. No, hundred percent. But all right, man. Nice having you on here. Um, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Heck yeah. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>